0: It's Good Friday, and uh, I always like to start off with a prayer. You know, Father, I just thank you for all you've done for us, Father, and Lord, I just ask that as I teach tonight, my heart is to honor you and to thank you for what you've done for your people. In the name of Jesus, you know, you know as y'all know, this Sunday is Easter Sunday, so therefore, this Friday is Good Friday. And I have to be honest with you, I've always kind of overlooked Good Friday. I've always, and maybe you're not guilty of this, but I kind of lumped Good Friday and Easter all in one basket. Woohoo! I'd get off on Fridays. I'd love that, you know, and so you've got to plan something, you know. Uh, but I never, on a Good Friday, made a plan to spend any, any time and thank the Lord for Good Friday. And I, and I felt like the Lord has corrected me on that. And I hope that this encourages you guys to do something for for your Good Friday. Uh, You know, in the Christian calendar, there are three really important holidays. Christmas, the birth of Christ. It's not about Santa Claus. It's the birth of Christ. Easter is about the crucifixion and the death of Jesus Christ's body. And then you have Easter that's about the resurrection they're all important. If we didn't have any of those dates, I wouldn't be here today talking to you guys. Think, think of how awful the world would be. Because all those things set, you know, it, it, it prepared the way for the Holy Spirit. It prepared the way for God's plan on the earth. And I feel like the Lord corrected me because when I was reading that it's holiday. Okay, wait a second. <laughs> It's a day of remembrance. It is a day to honor what he has done. All of those holidays should be a day of remembrance. And, you know, I, I was thinking about how, you know, the Jewish people, they're so, they were so good at their, you know, they, they had their feasts, they had their stuff, and it was for their home, you know, and, and I, I see a lot of things on, in movies, <laughs> you know, what they did, but it was their family you know, they, it wasn't that the church, their, you know, it's, it's their family did something to honor the Lord on these days. And that's what I think I've been so involved with church and things. I've kind of just relaxed and let the church kind of take care of that for me, in a sense, even when I was in Bible college. I may have in Bible college given it more thought because I had more time back then, but I, I don't know. I don't know, but I do know that, that the Holy Spirit kind of um, quickened me. So today, I'm going to, or tonight, I'm going to be teaching on Good Friday and what happened. And it's kind of hard not to talk about Good Friday and, and the other good stuff. But first of all, if you think about, it, I think it's kind of funny. Good Friday. We call it Good but Good Friday. Is it's it's really about Jesus' crucifixion. And when you read what happened to him. And how angry the, the multitude was, it that brought out the worst in in the Jews. <laughs> it was like bad people were attacking him and cursing him. And but the thing I want to remember about that is Good Friday is a time to remember the need that we have for a Savior, but also to see how good and precious. Jesus is. It's so easy to get excited about the resurrection and the power that comes with the resurrection. But tonight we're going to talk about what Jesus did. And uh, my husband used to say, if that don't get you, your wood's wet, if you really think about it. So it's a time to remember Jesus' great goodness. You know, he had this incredible outpouring of love and obedience for him to do what he did on the cross. He knew what was going to happen to him on the cross. It's in the scriptures. He knew what crucifixion meant. He knew that this was a great price. And he, he even told his disciples. But think about this. You can think about, you know, we forget that Jesus had a body, he had a soul, he had a spirit. Jesus had to get his body in line with the spirit the same way that we had to. You know, Angela taught on Sunday, he was tempted in all all areas, and, and 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 we forget that because we think, oh, that's just Jesus, you know, Jesus. But he knew what was involved. And I want to, you know, read a little bit here. Uh, Well, before I get started there, I get on these rabbit trails. So we'll get this rabbit trail and then we'll get to the scripture. Is, you know, have you ever wondered why uh, Easter's date changes every year? You know, why does it change every year? I wondered that. And the reason it changes every year is... In the early Christian Church, they wanted Easter and they wanted um, Good Friday and Easter to line up with the Jewish holidays, with the Jewish Passover. Wanted our Passover to line up with with the Jewish Passover, and the Jewish Passover is ba- based on the full moon, and that's why it changes. So our calendar is reflection of the full moons, and that's why it changes. And it can, it can, Easter can be anywhere from March the 22nd to April the 25th. But it's so that it lines up with the old covenant. And we should remember this time we've got the new covenant. And that that Jesus introduces that new covenant to us after the, the I'm getting ahead of myself, after the Passover meal. So, as I said, Jesus knew what was going to happen. He read the scriptures. Um, He, uh, uh, you know, well, well, you know, uh, he knew he was going to be that sacrifice. Um, We'll we'll talk. We're going to cover a lot of scriptures in a minute because I want to read from his word. But he, um, when you think about what what we're going to start reading, we think about Passover. Passover is the celebration, or, or it's when God told the Israelites remember this, set this this date aside, and you've got to remember this, and you've got to teach your children, and this is where I think the Jewish people do such a great job, is they in their homes they honor these feasts and these festivals. And, and that's a time for them to make sure that their children understand the importance of what took place. And the Passover was about the Jewish people being led out of Egypt, captive out of Egypt, but we've all heard the story about when the plague, and Moses, God told Moses to tell your people to 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 slay a lamb or a goat, place the wood, place the the the, the blood over the door, and death would pass by, would pass over them. So that's what they're celebrating. Okay, now let's come into what's happening. Jesus is. Um, with his disciples, and they're getting ready to celebrate the Passover. And, um, well, I think there's one more scripture. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I think it's important to look at the scripture because I did say that he knew what was expected of him. It's it's one thing, like, to know you're going to do something in three years. Think about it. He knew for a very long period of time. He was reading the scriptures as a child. He read Isaiah 53 as a child. And I want to read Isaiah 53 part of it. We'll start with the third verse. It's Isaiah 53, 3. And it says, just think about this. Think about Jesus reading this and knowing this is about him. He is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we did as it were uh, uh, and we hid our faces as it were to him, from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and cared for our sor- carried our sorrows yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. You know, we love that. By his stripes we were healed. But to, and it's great, we were healed. But look at the cost he was paying for us. That's what Passover is about. Looking at what he, he knew this was going to happen to him. We'll read on. All we like sleep, sh- sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He took it for us. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before the shears in silent, silent, silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. And for the transi- for the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. So, thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you. He knew this. And he knew he was going to be fulfilling the scripture. He understood what was going to happen on the crucifixion. Everyone in, in those days knew about crucifixion and the goriness of it. We don't really understand the goriness. You know, you've seen the the, the, the Mel Gibson 's Passion, the Christ well, when you read about what took place, that was pretty gory, but it was even worse than that uh, It was meant to be it was meant to be bad. you know the Romans had perfected crucifixions, and it was di- it was designed to maximize pain and suffering that was its purpose. It was about not just killing the person but it was about causing as much pain to someone before they were killed. It was a very disgraceful way to be executed. You know, we see him on the cross with the loincloth. No, he was naked up there. Like the sheep been sheared. You ever seen a sheep sheared? I mean, they look so healthy, and then when you we shave all their hair off, they're just, they're naked. It's like, what, is that, is that really what, that's not a sheep, that's not a sheep. He was naked, you know, up there. Um, there's another thing that, that took place uh, with, with the crucifixion is before the cru- crucifixion, they were flogged. So before they even, even carry the cross and before they're nailed to the cross, they're whipped with whips. And on those whips, it had these metal uh, uh, iron balls on the end, about two inches from the end. It had sharp sheep bones and, of course, the leather. So when it hit him, it bruised. You know, if you, you do something like that, first the, the metal hits, boom, bruise. Then comes the the sharp bone and, and leather, and it would cut through the skin and into the uh, muscle, deep into the muscle. After a few floggings, you it would be it would be excruciating. Most people that during this phase. they'd be bleeding so much, and with the pain, they would go into shock. Their body would go into shock. Because our bodies weren't meant to take something like that. Then after that, that's when they carry their cross. (laughs) And then that's when they're nailed to the cross. But when they're nailed to the cross, because of all those open, deep wounds on their back, any time they move, that is being irritated. So, there is no relief. The only relief you have on the cross is when you die. That is the only relief. And think about this. Jesus not only had that pain, but he had the full weight of every illness, every disease, every sin he carried on the cross with him. That, you know, could you, he was innocent, and he was carrying all of that. Not to mention how rude, and we'll read in the Scripture, you know, what the, the, the guards did and what pe- pe- people were speaking over him. People were lying to him, you know, speaking lies over him and accusing him and making fun of him and saying things, you know, like, if you're the king, why don't you whatever? And he knew that he could he could get out of it, but he chose not to. He could have stopped this from happening because he, he was—he—he—he he, he knew it was going to take place, and I, I just want to encourage everyone so that when he, when when we read these scriptures, okay, he knows this is going to happen to him. He knew that even Peter was going to deny him. He knew. I don't I don't think any of us know what it's, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's one thing, I don't know, I think it's hard to be crucified no matter what, but, you know, at least if you deserved it, you know, <laughs> might be easier. So I want to point out that Jesus became a man, his flesh hurt just as much as the rest of us, that rejection hurt just as much as it would hurt anybody else, he didn't have this... We think, oh, this supernatural peace and this supernatural whatever. He had those thoughts. He had those words. He had those pains. And he went, he, he continued to do what the Lord had set him to do. So, I want to read here. Uh, we'll pick it up in, in Luke 21. And I want y'all, as we read Luke 21, to think about this as Jesus is preparing. And as Jesus is going through what, we, what sounds like a normal day, <laughs> he knows what's going to happen in a few days, and that didn't stop him. At any minute he could have hid. At any minute he could have ran. I mean, it's easier to hide back then than it, than it is, on, you know, with the internet and everything else. He could have hidden. He could have. He could have lied. He could have gotten out of this. So let's pick it up in Luke 21 starting with the first verse. So, now the feast of the unleavened bread drew near, which was called Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. So they feared the people that were listening to Jesus. Then Satan entered Judas, surname Iscariot, who was a member among the twelve. So he went his way and, and conferred, with the chief priests and the captains, uh, how he might betray him to them, and they were glad and they agreed to give him money. So he promised that he he promised and sought an opportunity to betray uh, him to them in the absence of the multitudes. Had to make sure was it going to do it in front of these big crowds. So then it, then came the day of the unleavened bread, which when the Passover must be killed. So that's when their, 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 their sheep is being killed for Passover. And he sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat. And so they said to him, you know, uh, where do you want us to prepare? See, I think it's kind of interesting. They didn't know yet because Jesus knew they were after him. And there were things that had to be fulfilled before he was captured. So picking it back up in t- verse 10, it says, And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man will will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. And back then, men didn't carry water. The women did. But oh well, side note. Follow him into the house which he enters. Then you say to the master of the house, The teacher says, uh, says to you, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And then you show, and and then he'll show you a large, furnished room, upper room, there make ready. So he went, so they went and they found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. Verse 14. And when the hour had come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him, and then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. He's still fulfilling the law as a Jew, knowing what's going to happen. 16. For I say to you, I will no longer eat until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took the cup, and he gave thanks, and he said, "Take, Take this and divide among yourself. I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is a new covenant. So this is when he gave them the new covenant. Covenant, in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on this table. And truly the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to the man by whom he is betrayed. And then they began to question among themselves, which one of them would, would be doing this awful thing. And then we'll skip through the disciples. You know, after that they argued about who was the greatest. (laughs) Uh, Jesus tells Peter uh, that he would deny him three times before the rooster crows. Um, And uh, and then we'll pick it back up in verse 39. So coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives, and as he as a custom, his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, "Pray that you may not enter into temptation." And he was with, withdrawn from them for about a stone's throw. He knelt down and prayed, saying, "Father, if this is your if, Father, if this is your will, take this cup from me." He knew what was going to happen. But quickly, in that same thing, he says, "Nevertheless, your will be mine. Your your, your will will be done." Well, but not, never that's not my will. So it tells him his will <laughs> wasn't to do it. But he was obedient. Yours be done. After he said that, then the angel appeared uh, from heaven strengthening him. Well, the angel appeared because he needed strengthening. You know, uh, and being in agony, so after the angel you know, strengthens him, he's still in agony. Being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And then, then, then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. You know, there is a condition, we've all probably heard of it, that is called what, hemotrosis, whatever it is. It's a condition when your body is under a lot of mental stress or mental pain. Your blood vessels near their sweat glands will, will rupture, and it, it can cause you to sweat. I don't know if this is what happened, the sweat, you know, the sweating blood is only mentioned in Luke. It's not mentioned in the other other Gospels, you know. You know and so, I don't know. But but whatever was happening, it was pretty pretty big stuff to be sweating that much, that much stress praying. You know, I've prayed hard before, but I haven't caused myself to sweat big drops of sweat when I'm praying. He, his body was was reacting to what. His call was, and praise God, he was still obedient knowing that. So don't don't get stuck on the sweat and the blood and all that kind of stuff. Get stuck on the fact that all of the Gospels talk about either he was deeply distressed <laughs> or he was in agony. That, that's big stuff. That, that is not just physical. He was so stressed out. To be in agony or be deeply distressed, that means that you are so mentally distressed Distress that it's causing something physically to take place, and he did it anyway. He did it anyway. Praise God! Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's just pick it back up in the forty-fifth verse. So when he rose from the prayer and had come to his, his and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow, okay? His, he told his disciples he was going to be crucified. They knew what that meant. So they were, they were stressing out too, <laughs> you know. And don't, don't you think if you see your leader stressing out, <laughs> won't you be a little bit stressed? That's why he wanted them to pray because he, he didn't want them to fall into that temp- temptation. And he knew the power of prayer. And then he said to them, "'Why do you sleep? "'Rise and pray lest you enter into temptation.'" Verse 47, And while he was still speaking, behold, a multitude, and he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. I love this. And Jesus said to him, Judas, are you you betraying me with a kiss? He probably didn't say it as sarcastically as I said it, you know, because he's he's, he's more loving than I am, you know. Fifty-four. So having arrested him, you know, and, and I'm like, you know, uh, you know, Peter did cut off the ear of the servant of the, you know, that's had to leave some stuff out, but well. 54, having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed it at a distance. Okay, when they came, a multitude, a multitude back then, it, it says it's 10,000 people. Could you imagine 10,000 people just swarming? And in, in other and in, in other books, it talks about they had um, swords and and uh, uh, clubs. You know, I, I I understand why Peter did what he did. He followed at a distance. Now, when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked. Uh, intently at him and said, "This man also is, you know, was, was also with him." And Peter denies him, saying, "Woman, you don't, don't know. I don't know him." You know. After a little while, um, another saw him and said, you are, "You are. You are. You are. You are also one of them." You know. And he's like, "No, I'm not." And then, <laughs> and an and hour had passed, and another confidently confirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And once again, you know, Peter said, "You know, I don't, I don't know what you're saying. And as soon as he said that, immediately he heard, he heard while he was speaking the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at him. Could you imagine? The Lord looked at him. And Peter, re- I'm sorry, <laughs> Peter remembered. You know, he didn't think he would do that. He had, you know, don't you know Peter was ashamed that he did that? This man that he loved? And he wept bitterly. Now, today's lesson isn't about Peter, but I want to point out something about Peter, is that, you know, Peter is the one who walked on water. And, th- and then he, when he looked away, he sank. You know, and Jesus rebuked him for that, you know. Jesus is the one who got rebuked uh, by by a uh, a uh, uh, Jesus, when Jesus was telling him he was going to die, what does is, what is what is, what is, uh, Jesus say to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. I mean, if you said that to somebody today, they wouldn't come back to church. You know, Peter was corrected by Jesus by suggesting that they, you know, there were, he suggested to get two, two, you know, of well, a tabernacle for uh, uh, Moses, Elijah, and Jesus, making them all equal. And Jesus corrected them on that. You know, Jesus drew the sword and cut the ear. He, he, he reacted to his emotions. You know, Jesus boasted that he wouldn't forsake him, and he did. Um, Peter had his ups and downs. Peter made mistakes. But he remained, but, but Jesus remained the same. And after uh, the resurrection, i got make up in my eye, uh, Jesus made sure to reaffirm after he came back. And he reaffirmed Peter. And he, he told him to cast out the his net into the sea, and he, and he went on to tell him to, uh, that he was going to use him in the great commission. And he made him an apostle. He told him that that Peter uh, was going to um, uh, uh, be a, you know, he's going to help him establish his church. You know, and after Jesus spends all this time with them, they see they see Jesus resurrect. You know, and you know, <laughs> Peterson made another mistake. He didn't want to go talk to Cornelius about the Holy Spirit, because he didn't think that uh, the Gentiles were a part of that. But he was corrected on that, and he changed. So when I look at Peter, I'm, I'm just so thankful that we can make mistakes. It doesn't mean that that our we don't ha- still have a calling. It doesn't mean we can't still be you know be used by God. His example is. Be correctable. If you're not doing right, even if you come to the point that you are denying me, you can always come back and be used by God. This encourages me when I'm praying for people that I know that have walked away from Jesus. If they didn't, you know, (laughs) think about your loved ones and your family members that have walked away. Keep praying for them. Because there's hope. There's hope. Jesus doesn't give up on us, even if we deny him three times. Praise God. That's the man that we're honoring tonight. That's the God that we serve. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's pick it back up in verse 63. Now, the men who held, held Jesus mocked him and beat him. And having blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, Prophesy, who struck you? I guess was, he was being bullied. Think about it, how childish that is. Put a blindfold on someone and pop them in the face. And, you know, they're, they're just belittling and making fun of him. And don't you know, he could have gotten out of that at any time. Um... And they did other, they did many other blasphemous, you know, things to him. 66, as soon as it was day, the elders of the people, both the chiefs and the scribes, came together and led him into their their council, saying, if you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, if I tell you, you'll by no means believe. And if I also ask you, you'll by no means answer me or let me go. Hereafter the Son of Man will sit on the right hand of the power of God. And then they said, Are you the Son of God? And so he said to them, You rightly say so. And then they said, What further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves from his own mouth. I gotcha. <laughs> you know, they, it, then they, they brought Jesus to Pilate, who was the Roman governor of, Ju- of, of Judah at that, at that time, and the crowd began to accuse Jesus of many things. And after speaking with Jesus, you know, Pilate, he saw no—he all- he didn't see a, a fault in Jesus. He didn't see a need to, you know, to punish him. And he told the crowd, and they became even more fierce. <laughs> so, and, and he, he thought, oh, I can send to Herod because Herod is the king over the Jews, and and because of the Passover, Herod's in town. So we'll just sh- let Herod ha- handle this. And so they take him to Herod. And at first, I thought it was interesting, Herod was I read that he was, he was first very interested in, in seeing Jesus because he'd heard about some of the miracles that Jesus had done. And he was hoping to see some miracles. But when the chief priests and the scribes strongly accused Jesus and Jesus didn't defend himself, Herod treated him with contempt. And he allowed the guards to mock him. After all the accusations, Herod said, I I don't want to deal with that. I don't think think he should be killed, but I don't want to deal with this, so I'm going to get it back over to Pilate. So the two of them talk, and and, and so Pilate addresses the crowd and says, neither one of us feel, feel there's a fault here that's worthy of death. And the crowd was still upset. Think about it. These are thousands of people. That it, it said great multitudes. So if a multitude is ten thousand, great multitudes. What is that? You know, we, we had a lot of Jews that came in for the Passover. I think that's. A, you know, I think that was all planned to have all, all this. You know, this take place. You know, uh, you have heard the story about uh, Pilate offered. You know, to, you know, they have this thing where you can let one of the, one of the people go. This can be crucified because it's such an awful thing. And he, he's thinking, surely they want. Bar- is it barbarous? Surely they want him the murderer set him free. No. They, they they wanted them to set the killer, the murderer, free. The the, the I mean that that, that that crowd was worked up. You know, they kept insisting, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate gave in. And you know, there was there was two other criminals. Well, two criminals, not other, because Jesus is not a criminal. There were two criminals up there that were crucified with him. And when they you know, put him up on the, after they had flogged and he carried his cross up there, they nailed him to the cross. They made a sign over him. This is the king of the Jews. It was to mock him. And they put it in Greek, Latin, and Hebrew so that everyone would see. This king, look, this guy who says he's the, you know, God's son, we're going to kill him. This is going to put an end to that, you know, To that rubbish. That's what they were thinking. They are mocking him. I left out the crown of thorns. Everything was meant to mock him and cause pain. So i will pick it up in Luke 23. And now we're to the 44th verse. It says, Now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness all over the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had uh, cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last breath. Some of the other gospels say, he says, it is finished. But Jesus didn't die. He did not give up his body with all that pain, with all he'd gone through, until he said, I'm giving it up. He made sure that he took on every weight. And then it, he gave his last breath. So, on Passover, we really should give Jesus honor every day for what he'd done. But we should do something special on Good Friday. Not just enjoy the day off. You know, I've decided I'm going to do something special you know, I live alone, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take communion that day like Jesus did at the Passover. I'm going to take communion. And, and, and I want to encourage other people to, to come up with something that you, your, for your family that you can do to teach your children the importance of this. If you want your kids and your grandchildren to think something's important to you, we've got to lead by example. You know, I, I, Ruth doesn't know this yet, but I'm going to call her, and we're going to FaceTime, and I'm going to do a communion with her. And I'm going to talk with her. Now, my grandson is too young to hear things, you know, but you know what? I'm going to talk. I'm, like, I'm going to tell him this is an important day, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a new tradition. Traditions are meant because we can teach our children Who knows, maybe I'll come up with a song. Like they came up with songs about, praise God, I want a song. I want a song. I want a song that I can teach my grandchild. You know, we we need to teach our children and our grandchildren the way that the Jewish people did. Not rely on the church to get us together. I tell you what, it speaks volumes to your kids. You know, you show up to church, that says one thing. And you raise your hands and your kids will mock that but if you do it in your home if you say explain to them hey you know what i'm going to tell ruth you know what i missed the, i missed the boat on this one but let's let's review here what's happened i'm going to teach my little you know thing i'm going to teach that to ruth and to Caleb and i'm going to every from this day forward i am compl- i am going to teach my family why this day is important to me and to them. And I want them to know the price. We think our kids are too young to, to know how bloody and, you know, there's, there's age-appropriate stuff, but how are they going to know the severity of anything and the cost of anything if we minimize that? We should minimize what the devil's doing and, and, and shine a light on what Jesus has done for them so that they can have this great respect, so that they can say, wait a second. Wow, we live in some good times. I don't know a world without the Holy Spirit. We take that for granted. Before the Holy Spirit, it was a whole lot more evil. The difference is now we got the Internet and all that kind of stuff. But when you read the Bible, there are some pretty bad things happening in the Old Testament. I'm not saying glorify that. Let's glorify what Jesus has done for us. And if we take the time on Friday to look at it, I'm going I'm to read the Scriptures again. I read all the Gospels talking about it, you know, and, and it's weird I'm 58 years old and I'm still getting something new out of this stuff. It's good. Praise God. I, I have to change. I have to conform to what the Word is saying. And I want to make a difference in my family's life. And they're going to see that it's not just important to be a part of a church and to read your Bible, but it's also important as a family, to teach our children. And if I can get that tradition for them, then I'll make it easier for them to teach their children. Maybe the song that I make up for Harrison, he'll sing to his kids. I need to work on that. I feel, I feel like I'm supposed to do that. I'm not a good singer, so they, they'll know that it's, it's done in love. But, uh, so, Jesus... Had no sin. So let me back up for a moment. So if you picture this, what was taking place at this time? When God saved the Israelites and he got them out of Egypt and he, and he had the Passover, everything that is a type and a shadow of what was going to happen at this Pentecost, I mean, I mean at this Passover the sheep, the lamb, the doves, they had no choice in the matter. They were just slaughtered. Jesus went willingly. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for that. He was blameless. And he became he who had no sin became sin. He didn't wait for us to be worthy. He didn't wait for us to be deserving. He knew we needed a Savior. So, And it's not about, you know, talking about how bad you are. You know, there's, there's some nice, you know, I always, tease, I always laugh and say when my sister got saved, nobody noticed because she was so nice beforehand. Me, on the other hand, they knew. But it doesn't matter how nice you are, how good you are, You may not drink or smoke or hang out with those that do, but you need a Savior. And Jesus was that Savior. So um, I'll just go ahead and close with this with just one last encouragement. Ask the Lord to ask you what to do. We do the things that are important. And what Jesus did is one of the most important things. If he had not been crucified he would not have resurrected. So yes. So you get yourself all prepared. So on Sunday, I know Angela's going to be teaching a great message, and I don't I don't think it's going to be an Easter message, but so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have an Easter message at home. And review and I know what Angela's going to be teaching, it is going to be something that happened because of the resurrection, you know. all, you know, but but it's so easy to depend on somebody else to feed you and your family. So carve out some time. If you want your kids to think Easter is important, just set some time aside with them and say, we're going to honor Jesus. We're going to honor what he did at the resurrection. Do you know what happened at the resurrection? And and give some scriptures about that. So I'll close with a prayer. So I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for the the price that you paid for me personally and for my family and my friends and for the world. I thank you, Lord, that it's never too late to have an appreciation for what you've done. And, Father, help me instill the importance of what you've done with my family and my children and my friends. And I thank you for the fruit that's going to come from that. In the name of Jesus, in your mighty name, amen.